0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by fullscale.io.
1: What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgan's, founder of Marknology. Here is today's host of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon startups entrepreneurship honestly anything under those buckets we're talking about here today's title is going to be the future of food but before i i get into um uh, telling you more about that and like what that title exactly means and before i introduce today's guest i want to give a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode fullscale.io if you're hiring software developers and having a hard time full scale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and as a platform to help you mayors that team visit fullscale.io to learn more today's guest is ryan bethencourt ryan welcome to the welcome to the show thanks matt it's a pleasure to be with you yeah nice to meet you um founder founder of wild earth um and someone that is uh, a fellow um pet brand owner okay uh you know i've been doing it for going on seven years uh, with my co-founder ben bellinson um it can be a little bit difficult. So I'm super excited to hear your story and honestly hear like how you've gotten to where you are um, with the success you guys have had uh, just for my own curiosity, much less our listeners. So I'll try to make it useful for everyone. Um, but why do, I love getting started just kind of like um, I want to know your story and I want to know the origin story, not just, you know, not just the future of food and not just what is wild earth, but, um, you know, Ryan and um you know how did you get into this space of of owning a a brand that has to do with pet food and um you know have you been an entrepreneur let's start with this one have you been an entrepreneur like um you know since you were a kid is it something that you always thought you would be doing or is it something you kind of found
0: yeah no no i i i i i would say i became an accidental entrepreneur so i've i've always loved science right so i i would okay. say i was like a frustrated scientist um I even remember, I, I have, I don't know if you remember those as kids, some of us had like chemistry sets and things. So did, did you ever have one of those chemistry sets? You could make like little crystals. You put like different lotions and potions together. And there were like these little cool little like labs that you could get. And I remember I would make these little crystals, different colors, and I would try and sell them to people. Right. Okay. It was, you know, I love the science. I love creating it, but then I would, I would try and sell it. I'd be like, Hey, I made a crystal. Do you want to buy it? And you know, most people were like, You know, this, this is not a crystal you can do anything with. Um, But like, that was, that that was my like, early, early days. I've always loved science. And I, I became a a, a frustrated scientist, because I wanted to, I wanted to become an entrepreneur. And, and I saw a lot of my friends in the tech space were becoming entrepreneurs, and very few scientists were. And so I kind of started.
1: Ryan, not to interrupt, but I I want, I don't want you to skip this part. Okay, so I want to, I want to go into this. Um, you said you always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but you kind of fell into it by accident. Yeah, because um, you are a scientist, right? So, did you were your parents like business owners? Were they like yeah. entrepreneurs? Like, what yeah. was the first like glimpse of of entrepreneurship that you saw?
0: Yeah, so the first glimpse of entrepreneurship were my parents. So they they started one of the first uh, solar water uh, solar heating companies in Florida. So my, okay. my my parents were were Cuban refugees. They came to Florida. I was born in Miami. Um, they started. Uh, a solar water heating company. I mean, this was you know, thir- you know, uh, thirty years, forty years ago, um, and so um, you know, they they kind of showed me that you could actually build something. And at the time, that was pretty advanced. Like they were putting solar panels on people's roofs to heat their water and and know, yeah. all that other sort of stuff. And so that was, it was really- some,
1: yeah. Go ahead. That was something that you like because uh, I meet some that are like inspired by that and want to do that, and then others that are like, I'm doing anything but. Business ownership, like my parents, it was a struggle. They hate, you know, they fought all the time. We never had money. Um, it was something that you were like, I want that too, and I want to just like invent stuff.
0: Yeah, it was it was a mixture because the, that so that company failed. So my father, long story, like we go real back. My father left us when we were when I was six years old, and 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 he took all the money. Right, he had a midlife okay. crisis. The company failed. My mother had to lay off uh, like things twelve employees with no money. So so he basically took payroll. And so we had to lay them off and it was, it was a horrible time. We became, you know, pretty poor at that time. Um, And so it was, it was like this very mixed thing where I saw them build something amazing and then I saw it all fall apart. And, and, and so for me, you know, the one thing that, um, that really kind of, kind of kept me engaged with science. Right. So I was like, I I was, I was a scientist, but I had this, like, I wanted to build stuff. I wanted to move things quickly. Um, And I, I only realized later that I loved selling things, that I love the idea of building businesses. And, and I, I just, I, I never really, I'd never seen anyone that had built a science-based business, right? So for me, that was kind of new tech, I guess, solar, solar heating and whatever. That was a bit, a bit technology focused, um, but it was, it was actually um, when I was in the lab, so I became a, I became a scientist. I dropped out of okay. my PhD um, because I was so frustrated at how slow everything was moving. Yeah. Um, and and all my, you know, all my professors at the time were like, well, if you if you, you're you no longer a scientist, we don't know what you're going to do. You know, like get a job somewhere, like be a lab manager or something. And I was like, wow, that doesn't sound great to
1: me. Sounds but horrible. It's yeah. silly,
0: right. It's like I literally drop out because things move so slow and I have to, like, run the lab instead or something because I, I would do some business stuff, I guess. And so I kind of went out into the wilderness and started in pharmaceutical sales and I, I learned how to sell there. Right. So, yeah. Um, you know i was going door to door selling you know back in the days with pfizer uh in new york and uh and then i was still like I, I kind of started to learn how to sell bigger and bigger ticket items and then um and i stumbled across like back in 2008 there were a whole bunch of biotech companies that were going bust i moved to california a bunch of biotech companies that were going bust and myself and a couple of friends we started to buy used lab equipment for like pennies on the dollar and we started to make labs in like our kitchens, in our, in our garage. I didn't have a garage, I had a kitchen, right? So I had an apartment, so I was, um, but we were making labs where we lived and we we're doing science. And I was like, this is this is interesting, cool. right? It was like, I was like, maybe we could do low cost biotech, like maybe that's possible. And so that started what's now called the biohacker movement, uh, and it okay. really, right? It was like a bunch of, like a dozen plus people who were doing this, uh, both in California, New York and a bunch of other places. Um, and then it gave me this idea. I was like, well, how do we help scientists become entrepreneurs? Because I, I was really frustrated, right? Like I love science, but, you know, I'd never heard of anyone starting a company, a science based business for like a 50K, right? Or hundred K. But, uh, you know, I knew all these people that started like software businesses with like nothing, a computer and like some software. Um, right. And, and so, so I was like, how do we, how do we do low cost science and, and low cost uh, biotech? And, and, and that started me on a journey to figure that out. I started a biotech accelerator totally by accident. Um, first, a biohacker space, then um, then a, a co-working space that I started, funded with my own money and a few other people that came in with me, um, where basically scientists could, evenings and weekends, they could do science. Because I was like, let's, let's build this shared space. And that eventually, led, I was trying to raise money and eventually led to me meeting uh, a guy named Sean O'Sullivan. Um, and and a few of his partners at this venture capital firm in San Francisco. And they were like, yeah, let's do this. And I was like, let's do what? And they were like, well, let's do this accelerator thing. And I was like, okay, we need money. And they were like, well, we have it and we're going to deploy it. And so I was like, oh. And so I became like this accidental investor. um, But I was helping scientists build businesses, which was the thing that like I absolutely loved. And so, you know. Can we stop there for a second, Ryan?
1: Because one, um, I think whenever you're building anything to solve a problem, uh you know it's a good idea or it's like a lot closer to being a good idea than mm-hmm. one that's not right and then when you're just providing value for people because it's something that you would appreciate or that you liked and you're solving that for you and you're like you know what this can help others along the way i think that's something that's pretty powerful and something that i can relate to is um so i have a bachelor's of science in computer science Yep. Yeah, yeah so you know, not a scientist in that sense, but You're a computer um, scientist. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you know, when I was a kid, uh, my parents were missionaries to Africa. Oh, wow. So I'm kind of an immigrant in a different kind of sense too. I moved back from Africa when I was 16 to wow. here to the wow. US. So it's like, I'm an American immigrant. And it's, you know, a different kind of way, just like I just really didn't know understand America and how it worked. Um, but I was always tinkering, right? Like I was hacking our internet satellite in Congo and to get faster speeds oh, wow. and, like, you know, hacking yeah. software to get access to it, to fix things, like, you yeah, know. That's, and-
0: not, that's not a normal story. I was at hacking our internet sal- satellite in the Congo, right? Like, that is not a normal story, which just kind of shows that that's – that really made you think different, right?
1: It did make me think different. Right. It made it did make me think different. And I was I was doing that not because I thought of how big it was or what it was. It was – I wanted faster internet speeds to do this other thing Mm -hmm. uh, that I was trying to do. Right. And I was trying to get American culture to my computer at the time I was trying to play video games and I just like was doing things like that. Well, that scientist part of me, well, then I came back to the real world and uh, needed to make money and needed to survive, needed to go to school and come from a poor family. And, you know, so then I started bartending. I started selling, you know, Mm -hmm. I started selling I So I became a musician, went on tour, sold our music, sold our, merch sold our tour to venues sold you know sold all kinds of things um and you learn to sell yourself like along that way too right so it was like it was interesting and i think it's since i dug into your story we're getting a little bit more because it becomes how do you become like you know branding marketing and selling a product when you're a data person or a scientist person and i think it comes like you're like well there i meet all these makers all the time that are amazing they're creative they know how to make something they're like bringing it out of nothing like that's just absolute genius to me someone that can bring an idea that doesn't exist out of nothing um but also when i was playing music uh i lived at home i didn't i couldn't rent a studio and i was like you know how amazing would it be to have this place where you just have all these instruments like these different rooms that people can come in and rent them out and have band practice and you know everything set up because it's not easy to just have all that gear and all of that equipment somewhere and really practice if you're trying to make it. So sounds very familiar, right? I didn't have, I wouldn't say that I had a lot of friends around me that were entrepreneurs or doing the thing or like kind of showing the roadmap. That was, that was kind of more delay in my life because I just had people that were going after like, I want to do good work and value. And it wasn't like tied to money, which was a hindrance because I could have moved faster if I saw it as a business, you know, but it was Providing value, trying to solve these problems, trying to do these things. Okay, now I'm selling to survive. Oh wow. I can all these different skills I have now when I've actually found something, which was like e commerce and digital marketing and, and that kind of um discovery and trailblazing was like, Oh, I have all these skills I can pull from from all these other things before. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to like give a couple notes on just like, you know, the knowledge you just dropped there around, well, I, I wasn't even really thinking of it as a real business. I was Yeah doing it for myself, you know, and then then I had some backing and then, you know, and then I was like, okay, I was um, getting to the core of things like, and maybe that was motivated by, um, well, you know, why did dad leave? Or why did this not work? Or why did mom's business fail? Or why did, you know, um, you know, what's the next thing next to solar, whoever knows what that motivation is? Um, it's but, cool to pull it all the way back. Around. That
0: you, you hit a really important point, which was like, this kind of falling into selling, right? selling is like a trial by fire, right? At first it's like really hard and you're, and it's very uncomfortable and it never fully goes like selling is never like this totally comfortable thing that you're just like, Oh, I love selling all day long, but eventually you learn to love to sell. Right. Yeah. But, but it's like, it's this one skill, like, and I would say, you know, between your, you know, with your story in mind, we both had to learn how to sell. Right. And, and, and like, when you learn how to sell, you don't realize at the time, but you're actually learning a skill that is, absolutely crucial for an entrepreneur yeah right? this ability to sell like I-, I wish i wish i could go back in time and tell myself like when i was so stressed out about targets that i had and like early morning meetings and like walking cold calling and i would get butterflies in my stomach like literally walking into a doctor's office and like trying to sell you know what never met them they didn't want to speak to me they just viewed me as an annoying salesman like um if I'd gone back in time and said, hey, all of these skills, all of these experiences and like, honestly, pretty scary experiences sometimes that you've had will will be valuable in the future. Right. For you as an entrepreneur, for you as a builder, for you as a salesperson, for you to to train other people. Right. Um, but but, you know, you, you, like rarely does anyone ever tell you that. Right. Like,
1: yeah. It, no right no no one's like look i know you this is like your vision for where you see yourself and like this year this two years right now are like going to be crucial for whenever you launch that business to be able to handle rejection to be able to like you know if like one thing i realized was i don't i actually love to sell i hated selling religion as a kid that's what i didn't love yeah right you know and it was like what was pushed down my throat was just like you know door to door (laughs) sunday school or you know and i i have faith like to an extent yeah. right but it was not like selling religion yeah. but if i'm selling something that i actually believe helps people right and i i do know that religion helps some people okay for everyone listening but like for me if i believe that something helps someone like let's say it's um hiring marknology to help someone on the amazon the right brand or it's um you know self- working with products that are good once we are selling them i'm like i can sell the crap out of them because you know i really do believe that you working with us will give you the best chance at success. And I believe that it becomes super easy. And I think for most people, at least me, I was like bullied. I was a redhead that's like African on the inside. I was like, it was not an easy like assimilation for me into American culture. And for me, like I didn't see a lot of value in myself. Like, you know, for my young twenties probably and things like that, you know, self confidence and esteem and stuff like that. But it was like, but this thing that I do or this thing that I'm selling, like, does have value. So it was like, if I was selling myself as a service, like, you know, hire me to do this or choose me to work here, like, I was pretty, like, timid, you know, or shy. But if I was selling something like, um, you know, a product or a service or my team or a company, I found that I was, like, pretty bold and outgoing and, like, confident. And so that was one thing that I just tried to do to kind of hack my confidence early on when it came to like rejection and like getting in there and then tying that to my scientist self of saying, I know that if I talk to a hundred people, I'm going to close five. It's the data. The data says like I talked to a hundred, it's the numbers, you know, I'll get five of them to and, say, and, yes, sir.
0: And, and by the way, Matt, that applies to everything, right? It applies literally to everything from cu- getting customers to getting partners, uh, hiring, um uh raising money right like raising money is a numbers game like it literally is a numbers game a- and it's like it what's interesting to me is how few people you know talk about how even raising money is a numbers game like you you literally put together a targeting list and you go down the targeting list and by the way most of the investors you talk to are going to tell you no you're an idiot no one wants this no one will ever buy this and you just keep going right and and you feel terrible like you and, and then you just reset and then keep keep going and then actually some of the most successful entrepreneurs who've raised incredible amounts of money get rejected the most right like you know but they just keep going
1: that's why i'm here and i'm like i have a lot to prove still you know I, i feel like you know just getting started but for me it was someone that early on in life just faced a lot of rejection whether that was school or companies or people or um you know but i feel like i really do look back at those failures and i'm just sharing that because like I look back at it now at 35, I'm like, for 35, I've lived a ton of life. And I've like learned a lot of lessons that a lot of people don't even learn, you know, um, in a lifetime. Yeah. And those have really set me up to be like, to be the most refined, you know, if I can sell to my dad was a genius that like an IQ genius that would always see the opposite side of something or like always see flip side as a kid, it was the most frustrating thing in the world um, to be wrong, even if you're right, because that person can argue better, or like, you know, Give you a perspective that's different, um, but if you're like, if you can essentially, as a scientist, like give the whys to uh, something that you're selling to the objections. Mm-hmm. Right. So for every objection that's out there, you have like a why, or you have a solution to it. So you're you're selling essentially to an intellectual customer. Yeah. Right. And then like you can sell to anything below that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. I and I do believe that. So it's like you know I spend a lot of time learning the other side of something. Uh. So that whenever I got to those no's, I would I would have a reason, you know, or something to sell to them that I thought, you know, they might bite onto. Um, and I know we're not here to talk about selling. No, no it's just it's, like
0: it's it's critically important. Like it's it's literally for I'm sure for for everyone that's kind of listening or, or watching the podcast, like selling is what actually can make entrepreneurs and companies just incredible, the ability yeah. to sell. And it's something that you know, the founder, the CEO, like the leader of the company has to be be able to lead by selling.
1: You can't yeah. hang
0: ba- back and like expect, oh, let me hire a great salesperson and let them sell it. It's like that's you just have to get good at it. Even if you're not good at it, you have to get good at it.
1: Because that salesperson, they're salespeople. They don't really have roots. And there's going to be a matter of time until they've proven their worth there. And they're going to go get more, they're going to go get paid somewhere else more, you know, and I've seen that over and over and over again. So like, if the founder's not the one selling it, um, and as far as the story goes and the brand goes and all of that, it's like, if the owner doesn't believe in it, what are we talking about? Right. So,
0: yeah. I mean, it sounds like you have to say, I can't sell anything. I don't believe it. Right. Like I literally, you know, I've had people like approach me with all sorts of like incredible opportunities. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't care. Right. Like, you know. You know, I, I could have started a fintech company, but I don't care about fintech. Like, I literally couldn't care less. It doesn't drive me. So I, I would be terrible at it.
1: You're like, I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to have to, like, force myself to work, force myself to care about this thing because it's not natural. It's not authentic. And, like, my motivation and inspiration is, like, next level. Like, I'm just a very motivated person and um, I've worked hard my whole life. But whenever I lose that, because I stop caring about whatever I'm going after, like, let's say it's a goal achieved, or let's say it's like, I shouldn't have done that anyway, or I lose respect for the thing I'm working on, or I lose interest. It is just so difficult. It's like uphill for me, you know? Um, And so once you realize that you kind of have that magic power, or you have like this unlimited amount of like motivation, if you're like aligned, right, you're like, I'm never doing anything that I'm not aligned with. Because. It's so hard yeah Matt, you
0: become unstoppable right like it's, you're a non entrepreneur right in, in many ways because of that I mean and 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 one thing that I thought might be might be interesting is, is the interlinking like you know in terms of the, the, on the future food side um, you know that I thought might be interesting for us to talk about so I'm you know I love yeah, food bring it I think it's super interesting uh, indie bio which which I mentioned I started and we I, 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 I co-founded and we built for about four years, that for me was an education in helping a lot of entrepreneurs build a lot of really interesting companies. About a third of the, those companies were really future food companies. Some of them were like gene therapy companies and cancer therapeutic companies, but some of them were like the first cell-based meat company, right? Like like this mind-blowing thing, which seems like science fiction, but you could actually make reality, right? And and, and honestly, it sounds like you, you might read some science fiction or enjoy some science yeah. fiction right? Uh, I love science fiction. Absolutely. I devour any good sci-fi. And by the way, always looking for good recommendations for good sci-fi. But like that, that for me, the idea that we could actually help make that a reality. And we did, right. Uh, uh, The company is called Upside Foods. We're the first investor, Upside Foods. And I worked with Uma, the founder and CEO to build and scale this company, um, really unlocked this idea in my head. It was like, oh, wow. Like, there's a whole range of new companies, and so we've seen that with like Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat, of all these kind of future food companies. But there's so much more. If food is technology, right? Which it has been, you know, ten thousand years ago, our ancestors said, "Hey, you know what's cool? Instead of like hunting and foraging, let's create this new technology. It's called farms, right?" And I don't want to, to leave.
1: On. This waterfall is perfect, and like this valley is perfect, and I don't want to leave, and I don't want to chase the food, so let's figure out how to stay here
0: let's exactly and then and then and then you know i know you're in kansas like kansas has lots of these you know relatively new technologies called farms right like you know, these 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 technologies right a farm 10,000 years ago the idea of taking similar like monocropping right similar plants planting them artificially irrigating the fields with water keeping all the pests out and all the animals that would eat it like eat that food And then eventually creating enough food so that we were not attached to the land, right? That we could attach to the land, meaning that like humanity's creative energies could go outside of just surviving and getting enough to eat, right? Like all of these things are like mind-blowing things, right? And and this is kind of, I guess, our segue into entrepreneurship, but also like really the future of food. Our ancestors 10,000 years ago started this journey, domesticating plants. And animals, um, you know, uh, you know, like corn. Corn, corn originally started as teosinte. Have you seen the what teosinte? It, it's like almost inedible, and now everyone enjoys corn, right? Like it's kind yeah. of a cool thing. But it is a it is a a plant that would not necessarily exist in nature the way that it does in our in our farms. Um, we have evolved it. We have selected for it so it of optimizes for the production of food. And so that was that was really. An inspiration around the future of food and what started my journey with food. Cause it, you know, it, 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 it just, I just find it so hard to believe that there are still today, I think it's like a billion people on this planet that go hungry, right? Like crazy. We have the ability to grow food for them. Like, why is that? I mean, you were in Africa, right? Like you saw this firsthand, like hunger is still a very big problem in Africa. It's a problem in the yeah. US too, by the way, right? Like it's it's a problem in the US too. Not as much of a problem as it, as it is in developing countries, but still a problem. Why can't we feed everyone,
1: right? Like enough so that they're like they're good, right? And, and, it's because the world was ran by people that think of us as products, mm-hmm. you know. So, but but how do we how do we
0: unleash like the creative energies of you know cuz there are people that grow food there are people there are entrepreneurs out there that could serve the local needs of yes. uh, of everyone right like there like this is and this is where where this future food and entrepreneurship combined together you know i know we both work in in the pet category but like you know feeding all of us right And i include our pets in that as well like that is that is doable we just need to unlock uh the the entrepreneurial energies of people even you know one of the most interesting things to me is like the bottom billion like how do we feed the bottom billion people like people who survive on a dollar a day how do we how do we feed them right how do we and and and, and I think we can do it economically
1: and so that i think I think some of it is is releasing people like myself and you that you know come from humble beginnings where we had to, at least me, like I'm still in that path of like providing for my family, my mom and my dad and my sisters and mm-hmm. you know, we're taking care of people like in the, in the, uh, the hierarchy of needs, right? Mm-hmm. We're taking care of some of those baseline needs of security yeah. and safety and, um, you know, just some of the minds of the world that can solve these problems are tied up doing things they shouldn't be doing, right? And so, you know, I feel no guilt whenever I'm, I'm taking brands digital mm-hmm and you know getting rid of some jobs um or creating other jobs right or like what else are you going to do with your your brain space i don't know figure it out solve hunger like you know there's like so many other things we can be doing outside of like you know bagging groceries or you know driving a truck or like some of these things that are getting automated Mm -hmm. um you know because everyone has this potential i'm nobody i'm just someone that's passionate about whatever i'm doing
0: we're, you know? we're, and all, I, we're all in the end in the grand scheme we're all nobody but somebody right like we're all important because we're people right but we are like there's you know we, we there's a say what was it everyone has to put their pants on in the morning right like if we're all really the same
1: like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm different in that I grew up in a war-torn Congo with saw crazy things. It's honestly like a sci-fi movie, uh, Ryan. Like, honestly, like, it's... it's. I don't even, I didn't even explain to people until my 30s because I just didn't know where to start, you know? And um, so, you know, what I bring to the table is literally perspective. Like, I can see stuff from a different perspective and a different angle uh, and maybe be outside the box coming, you know, coming to the table. If I was sitting in a room with a bunch of scientists that might be my one contribution is I just see the problem from a different angle than, than, than the other minds, you know? And I'm like, that's something that all of us can do. It's free.
0: Yeah. And 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 by the way, I understand where you're coming from because it's like, you know, w- when you've experienced some level of like, you know, challenges, right. In one way or another um, sometimes for people who haven't experienced similar challenges, um, it can be shocking for them. Right. Like, so you don't talk about it. Right. You're like, Hey, you know, I, I lived in this really rough neighborhood in Miami. Like the Miami Vice days, I grew up in the time when there were like, you know, dead bodies floating up because of the, you know, the drug wars that were happening in Miami. And it's like, you know, people just can't comprehend. You know, they, they view it as entertainment, like something you watch on TV, right? And and you see, you know, Their life hasn't been threatened
1: like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and there are people, and 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 we're relatively speaking in great shape. Like there are people who, you know, like like you were saying, people in the Congo, like people who were part of these civil wars, right? Like who are like, I mean, really had it really, really hard. And, and what I find really interesting is sometimes, sometimes, unfortunately, you know, these, these really traumatic things, break people. Right. And, but sometimes it makes people really, really strong.
1: Yeah. Right?
0: And it so right here. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the sad part is like, I'm sure you and I both have people in our lives that have been broken by traumatic experiences it's one of the hardest things when you have people in your life that have been broken by traumatic experiences. Um, but you know, the flip side is those of us that maybe have been broken, but are able to continue moving forward or rebuild ourselves or whatever, however we want to phrase it. Um, it's what we can add and how we can help others. Right. And that's right. It's like how Beauty. We deserve, right. Others.
1: Yeah. I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to stop you because I want to read, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor and I want to ask a few more questions yeah, yeah, yeah. about this. I'm going to get a little bit more direct with my questions because yeah. I think we're jamming and uh, we've just had some fun. And I think this stuff is, is amazing. Like honestly to our listeners, um, if you're trying to be an entrepreneur or a founder, or a business leader, any of this, it's all about your mindset and it's all about your intentionality and, you know, finding what you do best and just leaning into that. So it sounds like simple things, but it's really not. Uh, you know, but when you're able to act on those things, and be able to pull from your past failures, or whether it's just in business or childhood or marriage, or whatever the case you pull from those, it'd be your strength moving forward to help others. It's like you can do some, you know, amazing things. So uh, shout out again to our sponsor it's made this episode and this podcast possible uh finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult especially when you visit fullscale.io we can build a software team quickly and affordably use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers testers and leaders are ready to join your team visit fullscale.io to learn more so ryan yeah we've talked about things you've done in the past we've talked about things that have gotten you here yeah we've talked about like you know passion and interests and um covered some of the background and i think i don't have nearly as much as i want but for the sake of the podcast and the listeners here we're talking about wild earth and we're yep. talking about the future of food yeah what are you doing now with wild earth and um you know what are you guys doing that's special uh in regards to um innovating food for for animals as someone that has a, a doberman downstairs oh um, we'll, a we'll, send hamab- you,
0: we'll send you some wild earth We'll definitely see a goodie a, lots of goodies a little goodie
1: bag Okay. I'm a, I'm a huge dog person. I'm like, honestly, like a little bit of a Tarzan that's living in real life society here. Uh, but you know, talk about what you guys are doing. Talk about like, you know, what project you're on now, um, like what you're, what you're working on.
0: Yeah. So, so I was really inspired by, you know, having worked in, in kind of the future food space uh, for us, for humans. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also a huge animal lover. I grew up with dogs and cats and, you know, it sounds like you may have had experience with other animals. I also had like a bunch of like you know, birds, lizards, snakes, or you, you name it. I just love animals. I love them yeah. in every way. I find them endlessly fascinating. Um, and so, uh, but particularly I love dogs. So my, my dog lady, you probably might've heard some some noises. She was crying. She came in here crying. She wanted some attention. She's a 13 year old German shepherd. Um, okay. Uh, but she, you know, like I, I, I really wanted to transform food for our best friends, right? Like that was really... A, something that really resonated for me. I was like, you know what? If I'm gonna spend another decade of my life doing something, like I, you know, animals bring us such joy. For those of us that have animals, we know like there's just this connection and this bond that you have with your dog or you know, for some people, for, if they're cat people, with their cats. Um, I, I love both, but I'm a dog guy, I have to admit. Um, and it, it's like, I wanted to do something for them. And I really wasn't happy with the type of food that I saw. I mean, most people know, like, the idea of eating dog food sounds absolutely disgusting. Why? Like, why does it sound disgusting? Because we know it's not good. And so, and it's like, it's, it's like just such a, a known thing that people are like, oh, pet food and dog food, terrible stuff. Don't eat it. It's toxic for humans. And it's like, wait, wait a minute. Toxic for humans. But our animals are like, our, our dogs are animals. We are animals. If it's bad for us, isn't it bad for them? And so, you know, I started to read and, you know, the scientist side of me started reading these uh, FD inspection reports and things like that. Like there's euthanasia drug in dog's food. There's melted plastics. There's all sorts of like horrible stuff in there. I'm like, how does this get in there? It's because their supply chain is often contaminated. So the meat itself that ends up in the supply chain, it's not good meat. We all know that, but it turns out somehow euthanasia drug gets in there. Some people think it's because there's like, euthanized horses in their food um and and it just like it just blew my mind and so i was like okay well this is absolutely horrible i mean the fda inspection reports i've read them it talks about like roadkill being thrown in you know uh uh rats that have been killed in the rendering facility where they where they they render the meat that comes in when the rats are killed that's meat so they just throw them in there right or or like when um when the meat goes bad, oh my God. you know, you know, like the beef is wrapped in plastic with a little styrofoam. Where does it go when it goes bad? It goes to the rendering plants for our pets. Well, guess what they do? The FDA has found this, that sometimes they don't take the wrapping off because it's biohazard. It's like meat that's gone off. They throw it into the renderer, which heats it up and turns it through. It melts the plastic. And so the plastic, which we know is a known carcinogen, causes cancer, ends up in the food and in the meat, like melded in there, melted in there and so I was like this is insane that it's, it's insane that it's legal right it's insane that this is you know this is allowed to pass as food and so you know I'd kind of been going plant-based I'd gotten on this healthy thing where I was like okay I'm gonna try and eat healthier more plants all this sort of stuff and so I was like what if what if what if I made a plant-based dog food it sounded like I was like one can dogs eat plant-based um, and it turns out they're omnivores like us right so they can. Um, and then, two, I was like, "Is it healthy for them?" Like these dogs that were on plant-based diets that were living much longer than most of my other dogs had. Right? I was used to having dogs like ten-ish years of age, big dogs, um, and I was meeting these big dogs that were like 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. I didn't even know that dogs could live that long, right? Uh, and so, so it made me start thinking, well, maybe there's something interesting here. Um, and and you know, at the baseline, I was like, well, at least if their food's cleaner, at a, as a starting point without all the nasty stuff we know is already getting into dog food, maybe that, that, that's enough. Right. Yeah. Um, you know? And so, so, so that was, that was kind of the journey that I began. I was like, okay, they can survive and they seem to, to be able to do well on a plant-based diet. So let's see, let, like, I wonder if I could start a company doing this. I wanted to feed my dog plant-based. So I was like, okay, great. I was eating mostly plant-based at the time. And, you know, uh, I'm a hundred percent plant-based now. And, um, and so so i started wild earth like that was really my mission i wanted to help those that gave us such joy and love our best friends um and so um you know kind of fast forward to today you know today you know wild earth is we went from an idea to um we are now the leading plant-based dog food company in the us uh we're actually working on some lab grown meat so some cell based meat we're making uh, cell-based chicken too. So, so we've, we've got plant-based, which is which is our product that's out. We have eight products in the market. We have dog food. We have treats. We have supplements. Um, uh, the uh, the most fun part on this journey is I was able to go into Shark Tank. Um, you know, I closed Mark Cuban at the time. All the other sharks thought it was absolutely crazy. We didn't have a product. We were still in the R and D stages. Mark came in. He he actually cut us. A large check, actually one of the largest checks uh, uh, on that episode. He loved the idea of cleaner, healthier proteins for our pets. Um, and at the time, it was still kind of an idea. And the other sharks made fun of him for investing because they were like, this is crazy. You know, vegan dogs. This is nuts. Um, and of course, you know, Mark, I don't know. If, I don't know if you have a favorite on the tank. I don't know if you watch Shark Tank at well,
1: all. I have. Um, I have worked with the mark cuban brand twice oh before. i didn't know that
0: I, amazing okay great great on
1: on Am, on amazon so like At they kind of, you know they came to me and they were like a mark cuban brand and then you know like helping them on amazon so yeah that's the kind of my t- connection so yeah I'm a, I'm a mark cuban fan if i have to pick one
0: yeah mark, mark is like I, I was before going on the show i was a mark cuban fan i love the other sharks too and I, honestly i find mr wonderful hilarious right like he always trying to get these like you know, these, uh, royalty deals and whatever else I I find those, I find them hilarious, but like, you know, really like sharks I'd like to work with always Mark, you know, I I always found whatever he had to say, absolutely fascinating. So going on the show, that was my hope that I was able to, to, to kind of close Mark. I I knew he liked some of these alternative proteins and like healthier plant-based protein products. Um, and we started working together and he really helped me, you know, get very practical about like, how you know? How do we reach consumers? How do we make a practical product? How do we launch? How do we retail? It sounds like you know. You've worked with a lot of people may not know, but Mark Mark Cuban has the Mark Cuban Companies. Like that's his, like one of his companies, uh, and and it's a great group of people that work for Mark in Mark Cuban in the Mark Cuban Companies uh, company, um, and uh, and so they really help. They really help the entrepreneurs that they back on Amazon and a bunch of different ways. You know, Retail, all this sort of stuff, um, and so, so, so I think one of the most interesting things, and, and we've been growing like really fast recently. Actually, the last I would say this year, we've been growing our revenue ten uh, percent month on month, which is which is which is a lot. Um, is that uh, and actually earlier this year, two studies came out that shows that that these are peer reviewed, published studies. You can kind of Google them. Uh, that dogs on plant-based diets have lived between one to two years longer on average than dogs on conventional meat-based kibble diets. And these were two separate studies done by two veterinary professors. And so now I think people are waking up to this idea of like, Oh, it's not that you want to be vegan or that you want your dogs to be vegan. It's actually, if you want your dogs to be healthier and live longer. Plant-based diets are really good for them. Better than okay. conventional meat-based kibble. And that. I think, has woken up a lot of consumers to the idea of like, oh, wow, of course, I want my dog to be healthier. Of course, I want my dog with me for longer. And so we've really seen the benefit of that. And I think I think we're going to be seeing more data around plant based diets and how it can be healthier for dogs. Um, And so so I think, you know, this year, 2022 has really been a game changer for us, because for years we've been you know, looking at the data we've been getting from our customers, talking to our customers, seeing the health improvements, but we haven't had, like, peer-reviewed data, published papers, and now and now we're starting to see them. We've already had two this year.
1: Um, I've heard and- that there's, like, there's definitely, like, a, a quieting of any type of companies that try to come out that are, like, you know, not using, um, that kind of speak out to, like, the FDA, like, findings and how bad the food is and, like, mm-hmm. you know. There's just like there's a lot of companies that um, the government, you know, whatever, is not really making it easy, um, you know, to get that information and publish it. And like, so I think that's amazing.
0: The vet schools, Matt, exactly what you're saying, like even the vet schools. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, what does my vet? What do my vet say? The vet schools, a lot of people don't realize this, but a lot of the big food companies that we all know. You know, there's like top four top food companies: Mars, Nestle, General Mills, you know, a couple of other uh, smaller food companies. Um, They they make they're the leaders in making pet food, and they pay a lot of people don't know this they pay for the kitchens and a lot of the uh, nutritional information that our vets get in, in in vet school in veterinary school. And so the vets are basically being told like all this mass market stuff with all these health issues and problems their education is coming from the companies that make those products.
1: Right. Exactly. Think about our public school system, but we won't go there. We won't go there. Yeah.
0: We, we, yeah, we definitely don't need to go there, but, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's like there is an alternative. And so, you know, for us, now that we're starting to get this data, now we can start to really put it out there. And, and what we're finding is we're finding it's helping a lot of people with like, it's not necessarily that people are like, Oh, I want my dog to live forever. Some people like that. I, 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 you and I probably would be like, yes, I want my dog to live for very. I want my dog to be with me for literally as long as I'm alive. Um, but but also, you know, they're dogs with like skin allergies that yeah. all of a sudden they switch to a plant based diet and suddenly, a their skin allergies just like are,
1: humans. Yeah, just like humans. Just like humans. Like, way know?
0: better, way better. They're feeling healthier. They're feeling better or less itchy paws. Suddenly, the itchy paws go away. Or the diarrhea is gone. Or like, and it's just switching their diets. Let food be thy medicine. Right. We know that. And so now we're finally starting to see that with 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 our, you know, with better and healthier food. And so um, so that that's honestly been something that I've absolutely loved. You know, and I get I get pictures. I'm sure you do as well with your, you know, with with your company, too. Uh, I get pictures from our customers. And that's like my favorite thing. You know, These smiling dogs that are like happy, you know, either eating the food or, you know, being sneaky and going into the bag and eating the food. And, and so I just absolutely love it. Like I, you know, every business I has do. challenges, right. But it's, it's something that brings me joy every day.
1: Well, we'll definitely have to wrap, um, you know, after the podcast, I feel like I just had some marketing ideas for you. Why, why we were you? Oh, talking. I love that. I love so marketing I'll, I'll give, ideas. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll give you some free ideas, but um, you know, just also what's been working for us, what hasn't been working for us, you know, we have just a really high customer retention rate. So it, you know it allows us to go out there and get new customers if you're keeping you know close to one out of two customers that find us um you know and the the user generated content is just like you know it's it's amazing uh they're trying to get in the box that's coming in the mail you know and they're trying to like they know what's in there you know and they're excited about it and these are like supplements so they're, they're thinking of them like treats you know i know that they're they're packed full of vitamins and stuff so you know it's good for them and um well, it's, it's good, well, Matt,
0: they know it's good stuff right they've had it they smell it you know they can smell so much better though so the package is closed but they can still smell the product right so
1: yeah and we know what's good for us you know like even humans like you know we're eating mcdonald's or taco bell and we know it's not good for us and you know but once you maybe you get to this elevated state we've got a little bit more money than a taco bell budget and it's like you gotta change habits and just like adjust and get healthier and be able to afford you know for us like i think one thing that's hard is it's like it's difficult and it costs more to be healthy
0: it does, like in it this does. in
1: this country, right? You have like yeah. to go to separate stores. You have to think more critically. You have to like order your items separately. There's nothing that comes that way, especially if you're not in these like bigger, more advanced cities like L.A. and New York that have these types of restaurants specifically to that, right? Um, in Congo, there wasn't dog food, so we legitimately made chicken and rice and yep. things like that for our dog every single day. The, uh, you the know, dog eating
0: the same thing you were eating, right? Like that's, I mean, they not, really were. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. we were. We were eating the same thing and like that's how i grew up um you know they it wasn't just leftovers from us it was like we made a separate meal for them and i had a belgian shepherd so um, oh, yeah, super, yeah, super intelligent dog that you're just like he needs to be fed that anyway you know <laughs> i felt like a human that, with their intelligence level yeah. but you know this is common sense stuff and it's just like you know um i think it's awesome that companies are um you know built around just doing better for others even if that means like man's best friend you know and um incredible work and so like i, I definitely want to talk about what you guys are doing maybe do an awesome yeah. collab for sure the owner uh, my co-founder um is an amazing guy he was at disney and espn and some you know some very high level exec stuff and and he had a, a sickness um doctor said he had to, he couldn't do that job anymore and he used to take it easy oh, and wow. you know it, he had some animals that helped him uh through that you know, uh, mm-hmm. through that, through that. And, um, you wanted to give back to them, you know? And so that's, that's the company that, that is waggity and what we're doing. And right. Right. That, um, that's,
0: ama- that's an amazing story, Matt, because I think that's like, when you really connect, like, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, you know, your dog can't talk to you. It's like, yes, they can. They talk to you through how they move through their eyes. Like for those of us that have dogs that love them, they love us back. And, and you have a true, it's a special connection you have with them especially through the hard times, right? So it sounds like your co-founder um, experienced that, right? Like the connection that really took him through the illness. Um, and he was, you know, his best friend was there for him. Or his best friend. Yes.
1: I mean, it's, it's authentic. It's true. And like the products that were made were not made sure as a business, but it was also made like, um, you know, with them in mind. And so, mm-hmm. you know, quality ingredients and quality stuff like that. I love it. Um, we're coming up on time. Yeah. And I like, you know, I just feel like some of the, some of these conversations just go uh, in the left field when you're really just jamming and you're aligned and I uh, could bring up sci-fi, but I won't because I know yeah. we'd be here forever. We'll, we'll, we'll be
0: here for hours talking about sci-fi, right? So
1: No, but this has been absolutely amazing. And um, it's super cool to see innovation in food. And I know the uphill battle that you have. So that's where I'm, I'm leaning my resources if there's anything I can do. Um, anyone listening uh, want to support a good cause? I know we got a lot of we got a lot of animal lovers on the show, so you know Wild Earth. I'm looking forward to getting my my treats or a, or a bag of food. Um, we'll, we'll
0: get you all all of it, Matt. So WildEarth.com for for anyone that's interested. We're also on Chewy, Amazon, uh, Walmart, wherever you shop. We're online, and we'll be coming out in retail soon. But right now, we're still primarily online. Uh, but we are one of the fastest growing dog food brands in the U.S. Um, and our focus really on making healthier, better plant-based products for our, pe- our best friends.
1: No, I absolutely love it. And we'll have to do it. We'll have to get you back on the show and see where things are, um, you know, a few months down the road and then circle back up as you're, uh, I know you're developing new product around chicken. I'm not going to try yeah. to speak to that in scientific terms, yeah. but you know, we'll love to know how that's going as you release a new line, and um, and, and see where you guys are one more time. Shout out to our sponsor, FullScale.io. Do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Let FullScale help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let the platform match you up with a fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure having on the, you on the show and getting to jam with you about your passions and Wild Earth and everything that you've been up to. Um, thanks again for your time. And thank you, Hustlers, for your attention. We'll see you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build
0: a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.